police officers, they often get a bad rap, primarily because people, social media, and the news only highly publicize negative interactions. Officer David Dukes was fired and charged with felony assault and battery. Excessive force can never be an acceptable foundation for the policing of any community. Officer Kevin Press kicked Crud up several times and slammed his head to the ground. It's disappointing, after a year unlike any other, that we still discredit some of our bravest men and women. Enough is enough. It's time we stand up and back the blue. I am Kayla Blakesley, a local member of the media and radio personality. And I am Sophia Rosales-Catina, captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Together we are joining forces to bring you Unholstered. An in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. When we saw the car up in flames. You know, we saw the two kids in the back unconscious. We knew that we had to get them out. And no topics are off limits. On that day, I participated in the defense of the United States Capitol from an armed mob. You shoot at the cops right now, we'll back it up. A sixth grade female student fired multiple rounds. We're black people supposed to call Ghostbusters. When we have crime in our neighborhood, we need police reform. Plus, we'll give you an intimate look into the unheard stories that only officers themselves can share. From saving lives. Officer Michael, in heroic fashion, Return fire, uh, even even in the midst of, of being shot himself. To soul-crushing losses. This is a raw scene, and this is a raw emotional outpouring of hurt by your police department and by your first responders. And every incredible moment in between. Thank God there's a school resource officer there to handle and de-escalate the situation so nobody is hurt. We're giving you an unfiltered look at some of the bravest men and women on earth. So join us for a show unlike any other and hear from your police officers like you've never heard them before. Your town, your topics, your team. This is Unholstered. This is an exclusive presentation from Federated Media, Unholstered. Welcome back here to Unholstered Man. Time is just flying by, Sophia. I cannot believe it. We are approaching middle of December. My name is Kayla Blixley. I'm just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Gatina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Welcome back to Unholstered. Well, Sophia, I'm glad you're here because you obviously represent the local law enforcement side of things. I represent the local media side of things. And that's really what this show is all about. We've been doing it for over two years. But for those of you tuning in for the first time, this show really is all about local media, local law enforcement teaming up to share and tell the stories that just don't often get told. And I always say it, not even just here in Fort Wayne, not even in Allen County, uh, but far across Indiana and also parts of the country as well. And I feel like today's topic is kind of a little bit more honed on Indiana because we're talking about a new year, which means new gun problems, at least uh, for our state in terms of laws and things like that. So who did you bring back for us to talk all things guns? Well, I brought back some familiar voices. Um, They're here again from the gang task force. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves at this time. Uh, Hello, I'm Mark Deshays. I'm a detective with the Gang and Violent Crime Unit. And Matt Foote, also a detective with the Gang and Violent Crime Unit. Mark, is this what, your third, fourth time now? (laughs) It definitely could be. (laughs) I twist his arm every time and he's just willingly But I mean, when it comes to guns, I mean, you two are, I feel like, the two to talk to, right? I mean, you're the experts. We try. We try. There's a lot of information out there. Yeah, but for what's happening on our streets, these are the guys on the streets, boots on the ground, handling the business. So not to say that our patrol officers aren't doing that, but these guys are specially trained to focus in on these issues that we're having that we're going to talk about today. So um, we're going to talk about automatic weapons. 
um, the problems that we're seeing. And this is not just a local problem. This is a state and national problem because of the ease um, in which a gun can be converted. And we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about New Year's Eve coming up and the dangers of uh, pulling those triggers and celebratory fire, so gunfire. So we will um, start off with Mark. Mark, I know we just had some recent um, in-service training, which we do to keep up our hours, our training hours. Uh, but you talked about uh, the conversion for specifically the Glock gun to an automatic weapon and what that looked like. Can you kind of go over what you talked about in service? Because I just found it really fascinating. What we have seen is a huge concern that we're starting to see some 3D printing and conversion kits that allow a regular pistol, which normally fires one round per trigger pull, to be a fully automatic machine gun running up to a thousand rounds per trigger pull in under a minute. And this obviously has a huge allure to our criminal element because it allows them to be uh, more force on target. They can pull the trigger once and dump. Yeah, we're a thousand rounds, rounds is that... per minute. Wow. Up to twelve hundred rounds per minute. Yeah, and this is this is what I found real fascinating. He showed videos too about things that are going on, but just the ease of doing this, just making this product on three D printers. So we know we have three D printers publicly available. So what's the importance of people being observant to what's going on managing these 3D printers. We'll go back a little bit. The history of the, what where these originated was they kind of originated over in China uh, as one Shocking. of the Wish products. <laughs> one of the Wish products. And they were sold as an airsoft aftermarket piece to the Glock pistol. Can, can I get your time out? Just so I can paint this mental picture for myself. When you say piece, I mean, we're talking... Uh, About the size of a dime. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's just okay. an aftermarket part that fits on the back of a Glock pistol. And that's very easy to convert. And what it does is it bypasses some of the internal components that allow the pistol to remain semi-automatic. And it basically allows the pistol to run unregulated in full amat- fully automatic that mode. That is nuts. It nuts. is crazy. Okay, so you it, it started in China? Is that- that's the where we saw the big onset of these. Because it's a manufactured piece, and they were selling them as airsoft pistol parts. And uh, it was quickly realized that this was not what their intended purpose was is that they were intended to convert um, pistols to machine guns. And so the government spent an exorbitant amount of time trying to hunt those down, the limited quantity that came in, like five to 10,000. <clears> and since then, what we've seen is that with the advent of technology, clearly, and with the advent of 3D printing, that there's an ease to 3D print these parts and manufacture these parts uh, locally now or nationally now. So that we're not no longer dependent. Is it just for Glocks or is this any pistol? It's primarily for the Glock platform and that it has to deal with just the operating system within is easier to defeat. Uh, I I mean, there's ways to defeat most every operating systems, but those would require gunsmithing and parts and just better knowledge of what you're doing. Whereas this is truly a aftermarket slide on piece that takes one minute, one minute to put on, one minute to take off. So back to your question, Sophia, you were saying what should folks be on the lookout for? Because you said it, we've got 3D printers in a lot of public places. You can go down to the library and use a 3D printer. We've got them in schools. We've got them in the libraries. We've got, you know, people have them at home. They're not that expensive to buy. And if you are, and a lot of people use them for very good legitimate reasons, but there's also people who use them for very nefarious reasons and trying to, you know, um, get bypass the laws that we have. So... I know you talked during inserts that you guys are going out to educate people running these 3D printers. Well, of course, you know, our our biggest concern is that like anything that's technology driven, it's driven by youth. 
because technology-driven products are typically our young, crafty minds that are able to like work around these problems. That's they a have. really kind way of putting it, crafty. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not always criminal in, in, in intent, though. I mean, even though it becomes criminal to possess these, it's not criminal in intent. You know, when we have young children and they're exposed to high level of social media, they see this sort of item on social media, it becomes glorified. They call them switches, Glock switches. And so what happens is that it's become a new uh, term within the vernacular of our youth. They use it in songs, they use it in social media context and emojis. And so once it becomes prevalent in that, our youngest kids kind of have a desire to possess. They want to possess them, even absent maybe the firearm, they want to possess them because they use it kind of as a bragging right. It's look trendy, what, yeah. Yeah, look what I've got, look mm. what I've got. And they can show it off. And they don't know necessarily, you know, a 15-year-old may not know necessarily that that is a felony to possess that part in and of itself, absent anything else. So what we see is with the 3D printing is that we're very, it, it's a small, innocuous-looking part. And there's another one that we'll talk about as well for the AR rifle. And if you don't know what they look like, you just don't know what they look like. And so we have to educate, you know, shop teachers to be on the lookout for this. We have to educate library staff to be on the lookout for this. And we want people to know that it's completely illegal to possess these parts. There is no cutout of the law that allows you to possess these. You don't have to possess them in conjunction with the firearm that they uh, work on or the operating system. We don't oh, have- Oh, so even if I don't, don't unless I don't own a firearm and I have this piece that's- Independently, it is- It is still considered an snap. automatic weapon. So, okay, educate us then. I mean, what should I, obviously I'm not a shop teacher. I don't even have a 3D printer, but maybe for folks listening right now who do or who work somewhere that, or somewhere that they have a 3D printer, what should people be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, you want to be looking out for things that are completely outside of your norm of what they're printing. You know, the majority of what we see when we go to the public library is people printing, you know, objects or toys that are easily identifiable as some sort of functional piece. These are completely not identifiable as a functional piece. They're very small uh, and they're very easy to look up online. You know, we're not trying to like make them some mystery. They're very easy to look up online, but people should be familiar with the shapes of them so that they know what they're looking at and look for these because the, no one wants to be part of that process of manufacturing. And we've had these in our community for quite a while now, and it's not just endemic here, obviously, we're actually very small compared to the national scene of this. But nationally, these are a huge issue because they're used, being used in gang-related violence, homicides. They're being used in all sorts of uh, fire, you know, gunfire, celebratory gunfire, all sorts of gunfire. And that creates this gross issue when people are sending hundreds of rounds out of a pistol on a single, tr single trigger pull. What we ask for is just oversight. You know, the teachers, the, the shop uh, people, the people at the library that are running these uh, departments where 3D printers are being used is just just oversight. I guess, I, I guess I'm still struggling, though. Like, if, if I ran one of these printers in a library, what are you saying, Kayla, look out for X? A dime-shaped, like, coin? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so what we, are, we, what's we, a tangible thing to look for? We have been presenting very heavily to the community because it's not, you know, it's not easily to, to describe well, it on the air. You know, we're talking a complex piece that has you know a specific leg it's essentially a small square about the size of a dime and, and it's a square and it'll have a leg a single piece that is a leg sticking out protruding from it and that's hmm. it so there's not much to it it's you think it's a piece of junk right yeah, i mean you would, it's innocuous you wouldn't know it if you're like a parent like what's this i'd probably throw it probably something that came with my ikea ensemble you know to snap in somewhere that's yeah. what it looks like it does not look like anything you would think you could put this in a gun and make it an automatic weapon and and we're 
you know, the other option is, like all parents, you need to watch your children. If your children are playing with certain pieces, certain things, hoarding certain things, uh, are uh, protective of certain items or disclaiming certain items, I don't know who that is. It's like everything else in parenting, mm, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it takes the detective to parent a child sometimes because, you know, you have to like. Your kids delve. probably didn't get away with anything, did they? <laughs> they still say that, I'll tell you. But, but you, you have to delve through what is what is what are we saying here? What are we talking about? Is this innocence? Is this a toy? Is this a Lego? Is this something that I need to be paying attention to? So that's the piece then namely for, in most cases, Glocks. But you mentioned there's another one. For the AR-15? Yeah, so the AR-15 platform also is easily converted, and that one is easier to describe. It's probably about two inches long, and it looks like maybe a reverse number five. And that Hmm. that is very consistent in its uh, shape and size, about two inches long. And usually they'll be very brightly colored, but they'll be about the the shape of a reverse number five. Same rules apply with this, though, in terms of legalities? Yes, same thing applies. And if if you want to be specific, you're looking at 10 years federally if you're prosecuted just by owning the switch. So it's just like you're owning like a machine gun. Even though it's, again, independent, you don't even have a firearm. You don't even have to have the firearm. And we'll go backwards. I mean, machine gun ownership is not illegal. There is a legal way to possess a machine gun. It's just that the government has put very great pressure on that ownership because of the nature of the weapon. And so no machine gun produced after 1986 can be publicly possessed. And you have to have a special Mm -hmm. stamp. And you have to have a special permit. So if you think about it, only machine guns manufactured before 1986 grossly reduces the amount of available weapons that can be privately purchased. So therefore, the cost becomes absolutely astronomic. So machine guns that can be privately purchased typically range from ten to $50,000 per gun. Okay, so I can hear some of our listeners right now, fellas, being like, I, I want one of these switches, or I made one. Is that what we're calling them? Switches? Yes. What, okay. Um, for fun, for target shooting out back. I don't know. They, they maybe got some, in their eyes, justifiable reason for having one, which is not nefarious or anything like that. What would you say to that person? That is a level five felony. (laughs) Not going to be that fun if you get caught, right? Yeah, in the state of Indiana. And like I said, federally, it's 10 years. Right. And I would grossly caution you when you defeat mechanical safeties that are designed to prevent this sort of thing, then you create an inherently dangerous weapon. You know, when Glock produced pistols, they produced them with, with a very fundamentally basic set of safeties in them to prevent them from firing accidentally, from drop firing if they're dropped on the ground and if when you go in there and you mess with the internals by defeating those you've messed with the safeties within those and those guns can be very dangerous and the same thing with the ar platform it's not designed to run fully automatic that way there are ways it can be but it's not designed that way so you're you're defeating the safety protocol within the weapon and it's funny he says that because that totally brings to mind the video he shared was a video he pulled off the internet of some kid in the in a back alley with a switch on his Glock. And he was a young kid. He was in his middle teens, it looked like. And he fired this weapon. And he could not maintain the weapon and control of the weapon. And this weapon would just seem to be like flailing about. And you don't know where those bullets are going. Mm-hmm. He had no control over this. And if someone had been standing behind a fence, you know, a couple doors down, he would have hit them. Mm-hmm. So it's in, inherently dangerous because these guns are not made for this. They're not made to fire in rapid succession. They're made to fire one pull of the trigger for one bullet. And that's a problem. And then it also does damage to the weapon <laughs> that you can see on the back of the gun. Hmm. 
Um, so it, it puts a little notch into that. So you can um, see if someone perhaps like ha had one or used one? There's some indicia that a weapon has been utilized in this way because you are adding stuff to the to the gun that has tight tolerances. So not everything fits, so it creates grooves and, and debris in certain areas. So we're able to, you know, when we train law enforcement, we train for what's the visual indicia that something could have been done to this gun. And that's one of the big ones, you know, when you add stuff to something. Let's go, let's go back. Belong. I'm this librarian, got the 3D printer there, and I see what I think is potentially a switch. What do I do? Well, with the library is a very unique one. We try not to, we try to, they're, they're trying to ensure that they don't restrict anybody's, you know, freedoms. But at the same time, the library has a, a stated policy that no firearms and no firearms pieces mm -hmm. can be printed on any of their printers. So what they'll end up doing is they'll end up contacting us. And we have a large referential library of uh, photos, and we've taken schooling on this specifically. We would, we'd be able to give them our best decision that yes, this is, hmm. or no, it is not, and then we would take further action either to prevent it from being printed or speak to the person that's printing it. When did you guys like start this, I'm gonna call it training? Uh, you know, there's a big push. You know, cops always like to know stuff. It's whether we share it. And we are very, you know, this is a danger to every cop on the street. And we've had these taken off on the toll roads. We've seen them in Fort Wayne. We don't want someone to not see one mm -hmm. and, and encounter it. So our big push is to make sure that all cops have this training available to them so that they have the availability to recognize it. So we're pushing it heavily. And then clearly, if we just train cops to enforce it, it doesn't do us any good. We have to educate that these are legal. And we have to educate where they are being manufactured which could be most likely in our schools, unfortunately, our, our public places like the library. Is there any fear? Because I always feel like this is a push-pull, and even we run into it sometimes in the media. It's like, ooh, do we share that or not? Like, you almost don't want to make some certain topics. You don't really want to tell people how to break into a Kia, right? Because right. you give that information away, and then it's all of a sudden you're going to see more of it. it. Was there any of that kind of push-pull with divulging all of this? With I mean, we're, we're showing the people that need to know we're showing them. We have mm -hmm. huge built PowerPoints and presentations. And we're showing the people that need to know what they need to know. We can only educate to a certain point. We're not, you know, we're not showing where this information is gathered and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that I feel any conflict to share this. I think that it's important to share. People that are going to break the law will break the law regardless. Well, you try to you try to share that, you know, this is this is it's illegal. It's this is a uh, level five felony, and, and the advisory sentence in Indiana is a is three years in in prison, and and you hope that the deterrent would be enough to push people away from wanting to manufacture and possess these. These devices are made for destructive purposes. The people that we see carrying these are uh, of the criminal element, and they're using these because of they maximize destruction, drive-by shootings. You, when you talk about the uh, rate of fire of these in, in a regular large-frame pistol, you, you empty your magazine in one second. We mentioned New Year's Eve obviously coming up, and I don't know why people celebrate with gunfire, but they do. It, is there a chance or have you seen before people using these switches for celebratory gunfire here in our neck of the woods? Oh, absolutely. Uh, welcome absolutely. to social media. Ugh. We see it on social media. Uh, and we're, we're again, terming these problems to be majoritively an issue on our juvenile side. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we're dealing with irrational thought process. It's cool, it's fun, it's, it's trendy. It's cool, yep. it's fun, it's trendy. Mm -hmm. And so we do see that majoritively. We see a lot, on, a lot of it on social media. But like, again, when we popularize anything on social media, <laughs> it becomes I must have, must need, must want. And so that's where we're seeing a lot of this. But with the New Year's Eve celebratory gunfire, I mean, again, just so dangerous in its, in its base nature that you are unleashing bullets any direction, let alone very fast.
Yeah, it's I I've always worked New Year's Eve until I became like a commander or whatever. But I've still gone out on New Year's Eve sometimes, uh, a couple of times after I got promoted. Um, And we just tell our people, you know, bunker down at that midnight hour if you can, because we've had squad car shot. We've had close calls. We've had you can hear the automatic gunfire. You can just sit in your car, roll down your window a little bit, and you can just hear it all around you. And you just kind of go in somewhere where you have three walls around you and you can see out front. Um, I didn't know it was and that make yourself common. safe. It is. It's gross. I clearly don't honestly. get out on New Year's <laughs> Eve very often. Yeah, but you can just hear it all. And it doesn't matter what side of town you're on. There's certain sides you can hear it a little bit more on, but it's all over and in the country as well. Uh, people think that it's fun to just go out and shoot guns on New Year's. And I, I'm not sure where that fascination came from or why people do that, but they do. And these bullets land somewhere. Mm-hmm. What goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. And we've had people, not in our city, I don't think we've had houses shot and stuff luckily we've not had anyone die because of it but several cities around the nation have had people die during celebratory gunfire during new year's every year yep small children adults doesn't matter it's the fireworks theory it's the poor man's fireworks mm-hmm. they didn't buy fireworks so they poor. Go out. i mean ammo these days i'm not <laughs> yeah, just but they go out and they celebrate and you know it's uh for policing it's a huge issue my first year on we ended up arresting someone that was shooting in the middle of our downtown area and Said he was doing it correctly and into the ground, but was shooting a rifle uh, out his back door. And, you know, it, it's just tremendously dangerous. And in the high dense volume areas that we have, you can almost you can't assure anything. Yeah, well, I guess what does it even mean if you're celebrate? I don't know, shooting your gun to celebrate, right? What is the correct way to do that? I mean, to me, I didn't even to think. Not yeah, that's it. to that's me. The that's correct way. Well, when you said he said that he claimed he was doing it the correct way, shooting in the ground. Uh, shooting into the ground. He was not dispensing rounds into an area mm-hmm. that it would hurt somebody. He said, but you know, like the fact of the matter is, is is there's a reason we have gun ranges. Um, firing into the ground, you don't know what's under the ground. You don't know if you're going to skip off a rock and that round's going to travel back up. You just don't have any assurances of anything, and it's, with weapons in high dense areas, you, you can almost be assured that those rounds are going to hit something important. And furthermore, I mean, I feel like sometimes people are under this illusion too that oh, that wall will stop the bullet, or that door, or that car. Like bullets can go through multiple people, through multiple things, depending on what kind of bullet you know is being fired. We see, I mean, we see, we see bullets go through uh, houses. They can go into multiple houses. They go through cars. Uh, there, I mean, it takes a tremendous object to stop a bullet. And furthermore, it's illegal to shoot a firearm within the city limits. For oh, so- yeah, good point. <laughs> yes. Throw that in there, too. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about the legalities later, and we'll talk about the seriousness of killing someone yeah. or hurting someone. Yeah. That's for me, is a little bit more on the lines of what I'm thinking about. It's like, you know, the legality is secondary to someone getting hurt. Including yourself, because we've had people shoot ricochet and it comes back and hits them. And sometimes you're like, oh, good for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't do that. See, it wouldn't happen. Right. So- and again, it's not an infringement. We're not trying to infringe on rights. We're just trying to promote safety within mm-hmm. that. Because, you know, typically alcohol is involved in New Year's Eve. We couple that with firearms. We couple that with a late hour and negligence. And that's how we get dangerous accidents that could have been prevented. Negligent accidents. And you two, I've, I've had you both on before. Like I said, Mark, I think you've been on probably now three or four times. I mean, it, I think it's a good point. It's not that like you're trying to hinder anyone's Second Amendment rights here. You're both pro 2A, right? Absolutely. Like I always so. just want to throw that out there sometimes. Same with you, Sophia. Yeah, but we're also rational people mm-hmm. with safety in mind. Mm-hmm. And, and the things that normal law-abiding gun owners are not out doing this sort of thing. They're just not. Um, Because they know the dangers, they know the responsibility of being a 
a gun owner. And they're just not out doing these kinds of things we're talking about. But at the same token, we, when you talked about, you know, informing people and do we want to tell people, the criminals already know this. We're not telling anybody. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anything new. But we're trying to inform our parents, teachers, people every day who could be our eyes and ears in places that we're not. We cannot be in every school. We cannot be in every home. We cannot be. But if you see these things and you don't know what they are, you know, ask your kid, find out what they are, Google it. You can get a picture of what a switch is just by going onto Google and see if it's the same. And if it is, call us. We will come and get that. Um, we'll we'll want to talk to your kids. We'll want to talk to you. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to end up in an arrest, but I would rather have that than someone getting their hands on it that shouldn't. Well, now I do kind of want to ask the legalities question, though. Let's go ahead and say you fire off around within city limits in Fort Wayne. doesn't hurt anybody that we are aware of. What? There's multiple different ways it can go. There's a city uh, ordinance that prevents you from firing uh, guns inside the city, which would be an ordinance ticket. Um, mm. But if you are shooting in an area that's high density, it can raise to criminal felony levels by discharging a firearm in an area that could, you know, you could have a um, criminal recklessness type charge because you're basically creating such a situation that could kill somebody mm -hmm. due to recklessness. Really quick, because we've only got like a minute. I don't know. Let's say I'm downtown partying up for New Year's Eve, which will not be where I'm at. But let's just pretend that I am. And someone decides to have, I don't know, a moment of celebratory gunfire. Best advice for me or someone who is downtown and this is uh, some idiot is deciding that's the way he or she wants to celebrate. Get, get to a position of cover that has something over your head. What comes up must come down. Mm -hmm. So we just want to protect what comes up. How and, long does it take it to come down? Oh, boy, that's a great question. It's, I, you know, these come down at 400 feet per second or more, so it's still oh. able to break bones. It's still able to enter a skull. It's still able to greatly injure people. You know, it, it loses velocity. When we talk about rifles being fired, you know, they're uh, 2,500 to 3,000 feet per second, but they still come down at a terminal velocity. That, that's blown. <laughs> it's one of those, like, uh, you know, those Mythbusters, you ever watch them? They always seem to do a lot yes. of things yeah. with firearms. Yeah. Not that I want them to do that one, but it could be an interesting one. Yeah, and it just depends on the gun. Like I said, it's the rifle, yeah, the handgun, yeah. is what's the velocity of the bullet, you know, all these kinds of things going. Way more math than I'm willing to do. But that's why I have guys like this that know. No, but, <laughs> being, but being pro-Second Amendment also means that we have a responsibility to be pro-safety and to do it correctly and to promote good safety within it. We don't want people injured. We don't want our kids injured or community injured. So all of this is just to promote safety within that, you know, responsibility within that. Amen. Well said. I think it's a good place to end. Guys, thanks for coming back in. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas oh, yes, as well. As, well. As, as mentioned, they've both been on the podcast before, on the show before. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Unholstered. Podcasts by Federated Media.